Now direct your attention to the Word of God. To the book of James, a letter to the churches by James, the brother of Jesus. And we have before us the same text that we had last Sunday as far as its entirety. Hear the Word of the Lord. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. Of His own will He brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of His creatures. Knowing this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. The Word of the Lord. You may be seated. I want us to specifically look at verses 22 through 25, that very heart of the passage there where it talks about the doers of the word as opposed to those who are hearers only. It is interesting to me and and really delightful to read in the Old Testament how the Lord communicates with His prophets. And one time He tells a prophet, said, don't be afraid of their faces. <laughs> when you look out at an audience and you preach and you see scowls and you see furrowed brows and you see evidence of sheer boredom and when you see evidence of irritation and when you see in their faces all kinds of reactions, don't be afraid of that, the Lord tells the prophet. He said, just preach my word, be faithful in doing that. I'll take care of the results. I'll take care of the reaction. The Lord says to a prophet on another occasion, smite with thine hand and stamp with thy feet. You ever heard of a pulpit pounding preacher? That's a Bible preacher. In other words, do something that punctuates the preaching of the Word, smiting with the hand and stamping with the feet are good rhetorical devices. But here's one of my favorite. Let me read it for you. It's just, it's just delightful. It comes from Ezekiel chapter 33. You don't have to turn there. Let me read it for you. This is the Lord speaking to Ezekiel. And of course, as you know, He calls Ezekiel over and over the Son of Man. As for you, Son of Man, your people who talked together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses. 
Do people ever talk about the preacher behind his back? Do they ever talk about the sermon, how good it was or how poor it was or how it didn't hit the mark or how it was too long or how all that? Do they ever do that behind the doors and the walls and just kind of in places where they just kind of have this, this water cooler conversation about what the preacher's all about? And every once in a while you'll hear someone say, he's a good preacher, you ought to come hear him. Listen to this. They talk about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses. They say to one another, each to his brother, come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. And they come to you as people. They come and they sit before you as my people and they hear what you say, but they will not do it. <laughs> That's it. That's what James is, is dealing with this passage. They hear what you say. They're hearers of the Word. Nothing wrong with being a hearer of the Word. You've got to be a hearer of the Word. Faith comes by hearing. We are implored over and over and over to hear the Word of the Lord. You must hear the Word of the Lord. You must be open to it. The whole parable of the sower of the seed that Jesus gave was the sower goes forth to sow and he sows the same seed. It's not a parable of a sower. It's not even a parable of a seed. It's a parable about the soil. Different soils, fertile ground, wayside ground, thorny, rocky, different kinds of soil. So there is a prepared heart. Nothing wrong with listening to the Word of God. We've got to put it out there and people have got to hear it. We've got to hear the Word of the Lord. That's a good place to start, but that is not the totality of it. Now here's the part that just sort of amuses me. And they come to you as people come, and they sit before you as people, and they hear what you say, but they will not do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths they act. Their heart is set on gain. And behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs and a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. In other words, you're just an entertainer if you're that kind of preacher. And they've already have a certain amount of avarice and lust and proclivities in their soul to do certain things. So if you say things that encourage them in that direction, they think you're a great preacher. If they're already doing something or tending to do something or want to do something or have the desire to do a particular thing, and you tell them what a wonderful thing it is and give some justification for it, some excuse, then they love you. Paul speaks about this phenomenon when he warns young Timothy when he talks about the people will heap to themselves per preachers. Interesting, they heap to themselves. It isn't that they don't want to hear preaching. It's that they want to hear a certain kind of preaching. And they have ears that need to be tickled. In other words, it is for their own amusement. And so you're one like a singer of lustful songs. Now, I'm not sure what that means. I don't really want to expound that this morning, but... Whatever that is, it's got to be something that appeals to the carnal nature. And you are like one with a beautiful voice. Some preachers are easy to listen to. They just have a certain tone to their voice or a certain texture. Or there's a certain attitude about them that you just can't stop listening. And the Lord uses that in preachers. All through my life as I've listened to preachers, there have been certain preachers I couldn't get enough of. I love to hear them. One of our, my favorite is the preacher that's well known to most of you, and that's Tim Keller. 
I can listen to Tim Keller all day long. Tim Keller's conversational. He just draws you in, and, and his ideas are good, and he, he, he lets you think for yourself while he's speaking. And then when it's all said and done, he has preached the Word of God quite thoroughly, but you didn't realize it. You thought it was just Tim Keller talking to you. And there are other preachers like that. Beautiful voice. And the Lord uses that. But if that's all you're regarded as, you're missing the point because here's what happens. They are, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs and with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. And they hear what you say, but they will not do it. They hear what you say, but they will not do it. They're hearers of the Word, but they're not doers of the Word. Now Jesus laments this particular phenomenon in his own ministry. And he gives us the little parable that we're familiar with, but let me just read it. It's a delightful parable and it's pretty obvious in what it means, but listen to the import. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. That's a hearer of the Word and a doer of the Word. Builds on a solid foundation. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. That's the one who hears the Word, but does not do the Word, doesn't put the Word into practice, doesn't act upon it, doesn't move from the belief to the behavior. And in Jesus' ministry, at another time, we have this little incident that happened. And as he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Jesus has been, actually in context, he's been teaching about Satan. <laughs> and he's been casting out demons. That's what's happening. And as he was doing these things and preaching and teaching along these lines, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. The woman shouts out a blessing, a praise, a gratitude. She heard the sermon. She heard the message. She saw the demons being cast out. And she praised the Lord. Blessed Him. But He said... Here's Jesus' response. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. The real blessing goes to those that hear the Word of God and keep it. So we're not off base at all when we need to hear once again that admonition to all believers 
We are not to be professors only, not even possessors only, but we are to be performers as well. Keep, obey, honor, live out the Word of God. Now, to do a few moments of exposition of this passage, and then we'll apply it. Be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Three times in this particular text, James warns us against being deceived. For anyone who's a hearer of the Word and not a doer is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. A little, a little simile here is set forth. And it's someone that looks at themselves in a, in a looking glass, and probably polished metal, served as usually bronze or sometimes silver. Sometimes uh, uh, other uh, things were used to be polished so that you could look and you could see. Sometimes those mirrors were not exactly perfect. Sometimes they were dim and dark and they didn't render a, a very accurate reflection. But here a man looks in the mirror to see himself. And it says to see his natural face. Literally it means the face of his birth, the face he was born with, the face he was given. He looks at himself. He looks at himself intently. In other words, he's paying attention to what he's looking at. But here's what he does. He looks at himself, he goes away, and he forgets what he was like. What good, what practical good did looking in the mirror and observing, studying his face do for him? It was a meaningless exercise. It might have been interesting at the time. It might have been informative at the time. But it was a meaningless exercise. It made no difference to him at all. He has forgotten. But the contrast then is the one who looks at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. James is saying the same thing here that Jesus said to the woman. The one that hears my word and keeps it will be blessed. And James is pronouncing the same blessing, the same beatitude, benediction upon the one who hears the word and then does it. Simple but obvious. Now, in this passage, we, it's interesting, he talks about the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty. In other words, the place to look to find what you need to know and need to do is the law. And I think what's in view here is the Old Testament scriptures in their entirety for sure, but probably specifically the Torah, the, pre the teaching and the instructions of Moses to the people. And one of the things that Jesus did in his earthly ministry was he updated and saw that there was a perfection to that law. That law, when taken in kind of its ancient meaning, appeared to be very pedantic and sometimes very rigid and almost impossible to keep and impossible actually in the final analysis to keep in its entirety throughout one's lifetime. And there's so many things about that law. That law, no matter how good it was, could not 
effect obedience. It couldn't cause someone to obey. It could only show. And Paul says that that law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ because that law has been perfected. That law has been made, it's the word teleos, it's the same word that Jesus said when He said He came to fulfill the law, to fill the law. In other words, the perfect law has been fulfilled. You want to find Christ in James one more place? Here it is. Jesus is that fulfilled law, that perfect law. The law of liberty, the law of freedom. It is Christ who has set us free from the penalty. The law pronounced curses and blessings. Blessings for obedience, but curses for disobedience. And the supreme curse of the law was the curse of being cut off. That ultimately God would just cut you off and, and, and you would be uh, cut off from His presence. You would die and you would go into perdition for eternity. That was the ultimate curse of the law. And Jesus, in His death upon the cross, bore that curse in our place. He has freed us, not from the law and its obligations and its precepts and its stipulations and its prescriptions. No. He has freed us from its penalty. The law, the law no longer is a curse to us. It's been nailed to the cross. The law no longer is a death sentence to us. It has been overcome by the atoning work of Christ and by His resurrection. So the perfect law, the law of liberty, is the gospel word. And it's that word that He calls implanted earlier in the passage. It's that word we spoke of last week that is the word that brought us forth. It is the begetting word, the birthing word, the word of new birth. Of His own will begot He us by His word. It is that transcript of the mind and the character of God that has been set forth so that God's creatures could live in the image of God. In other words, looking into a mirror. And what do you see in the mirror? You see the image of God living a holy, a righteous, a just, a loving, a merciful life. Now by way of application, let me just point to a very, a very, very familiar passage of Scripture in Paul's writing in 2 Timothy. And uh, I'll just get to the very... Last verse of chapter 3, 2 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. In other words, deeds. The same word that's used for work over and over in this passage is the same word that's used by Paul in Ephesians 2 where he talks about 
we have been brought to life. We have been saved by grace in order to do good works. It's the same word. It's the good deeds. It's being a doer of the word. And it is the same word that's used that talks about we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Paul sets out four categories here that the Scripture is profitable, that we may be competent and that we may be equipped for every good activity. And here they are. It is profitable for teaching, doctrine. We need to know the truths of our faith. We need to know every aspect and every feature that we can possibly know about every attribute of the triune God. Is that comprehensive enough? We need to know everything that God has revealed and everything it is possible for the human mind to know about our Heavenly Father, about His only begotten Son, and His divine Spirit. We need to know everything there is to know that we can find out about His relationship to His creation and specifically His relationship to us. We need to understand something about redemption. We need to understand something about covenant. We need to understand about not only belief and behavior, but we need to understand something about being, who we are. We need to understand something about belonging, who we are related to. And countless doctrinal truths falling under that. And for reproof, reproof is when you need someone to tell you how it ought to be done better. And the scriptures do that. You may measure up to a certain standard, say, in keeping the commandment having to do with bearing false witness. And then you realize that you're Tongue is not as truthful as it needs to be. You may realize that you fall short. The prevarications of your speech might be not what they ought to be, and the Spirit of God convicts you. So in this one instance, every area of your life is critiqued. Reproof. Correction. That's after you've just gone ahead and messed up. You've committed the sin. You've done the wrong thing. You've fallen short of the glory of God. You've missed the mark. You've twisted and perverted what God intended. You need to be corrected. You need to be brought into the right place. You need to be put back together. You need to be straightened out. That's a term my dad used to use a lot when he administered correction, was straightening me out. And you need to have things restored. And then in the fourth place, it's doctrine, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. There's a sense in which God doesn't want us just flipping and flopping about in our spiritual life. He expects us to be trained. 
trained for duty, trained for endurance. In fact, one more time we come to that concept in our text where it talks about the one who looks into the perfect law and perseveres. It's, it's a word which means to stay alongside of. In other words, to hang in there, to keep moving, to keep up with the, with the Spirit, literally, but to keep up. And it takes training to do that. It takes a discipline to do that. It takes discipline to be a disciple. And that's the way you become a doer of the Word. You learn all about it. You do it, and you fall short. You're straightened out. You're put back together. And you're trained and disciplined for a successful, profitable life before the Lord. Just take any of the commandments you want to out of Scripture. Take any of the admonitions, and the Scriptures are filled with them. Even sometimes the participles in the Greek are interpreted as imperatives. In other words, you read your Bible and you start listening to how many thing you, things you are instructed and ordered and admonished and commanded and encouraged to do. And then uh, just do it. 